0: Peace with God reminds us of the salvation that we already have as believers, but also knowing that we will not be judged. We have eternity as our home with the Lord, but also the peace of God. Until eternity comes, sometimes we're in this world and it's like we're on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples in that boat when the storms are raging and the winds and the waves and the wind is driving and the Lord is there sleeping and we're thinking, Lord, how long are you going to sleep as we go through this storm? And I think sometimes when the storms of life, when they are raging around us and we're crying out to the Lord and praying that he would stand and say, peace, be still.
1: You're looking too far that need you have inside You're on a big merry go round and it's taking you for a ride.
0: You've gotta let go and let go
1: Welcome to the Cleansing Word.
0: We are uh, in Colossians chapter 3, looking at verses 12 through 25 today, finishing out chapter 3. We look at the message itself, I broke it into three portions, to put on the new, verses 12 through 14, put in the true, verses 15 through 17, and then finally to submit, love, obey, and do, verses 18 through 25. And Father, we thank you for these words that you've given us in In Scripture, Lord, there are instructions to life, how we are to live out our faith as believers in Jesus Christ. And perhaps, Lord, we haven't had the right attitude. We may memorize the verse, sing the song, and say whatever we do. But, Lord, are we living it out? Whatever we do, are we doing it heartily to the Lord? That is well-pleasing to you. It's my prayer that we would. and So help us, Lord. To continually conform into the image of your Son, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in verses 15 through 17, we're to put in the true. So just as we're to put on the new, now we learn that we're to put in the true. And originally, when I wrote out my outline for this message, I did not see this put in the true. I had something else there, but I realized that as Paul is writing to them, he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and to be thankful. And again, he went on to say, let the word of God dwell in you all richly in all wisdom. So let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let the word of God rule in you. God wanting to get this stuff on the inside. Now, you know what it is when you put on something on the outside, but it's not truly in. I was watching a piece while I was eating breakfast this morning. They were talking about a church that the Pope visited this last week that had like this, I don't know what it was, $17 million renovation for this great cathedral that was built and the architects, and of course you're talking about stone and renovation, and I'm there, I'm watching it. And, uh, the architect who was in charge of this renovation, this huge, when it was completed, it was the tallest building, the steeples that went up there was tallest in New York. Of course, now it's dwarfed by all the big buildings around it. But as you look up into the top of this cathedral, the architects was thinking, how in the world did they get those stones up there? How are they supported to have that archway? And then when they began to explore the building, they realized that It was all facade. They reached a point where the stone stopped and they made it out of wooden plaster and they just painted it to look like stone. And from 70 feet, you can't tell the difference. And I think sometimes we put on the outward stuff and we have the looks of what we should look like as believers, but without putting it in, without getting God's peace in our heart, ruling over our hearts, without God's word in our lives, we can't truly... Put on the things that we're to put on. It it would be like a facade. We can put on these things and we might look good to the world, but it's not true. And so we have to put in the true. And he begins with the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Paul first encourages us to put the peace of God into our hearts. It's been said that we cannot know the peace of God apart from the grace of God. And once we find God's grace through salvation, then peace follows that. In Romans 5.1, Paul speaks about the peace with God, saying, therefore, we have been justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But it's not just the fact of having peace with God. We're to have the peace of God, peace of God in our hearts. Peace with God reminds us of the salvation that We already have as believers, but also knowing that we will not be judged. We have eternity as our home with the Lord, but also the peace of God until eternity comes. Sometimes we're in this world and it's like we're on the Sea of Galilee with the disciples in that boat when the storms are raging and the winds and the waves and the wind is driving and the Lord is there sleeping. And we're thinking, Lord, how long are you going to sleep as we go through this storm? And yet the Lord stands, as he did in Mark 4, 39 and 40, and he simply says, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then the Lord said to the disciples, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? We have peace with God, but we need the peace of God. And, and at that time, the disciples didn't have the peace of God in their hearts. They lacked in faith, the Lord said. And I think sometimes... When the storms of life, when they are raging around us and we're crying out to the Lord and praying that he would stand and say, peace, be still. But it's also important that, that we realize that he didn't come to bring peace on earth. He said this himself in, in Luke twelve fifty one. Do not suppose that I came to give peace on earth. I tell you, a, not at all, but rather Division. And so we realize that in this world, there's going to be division. There are those who hate the work of Christ. They hate the name of Jesus. It does not bring peace to them. That's to the world, though, but not to his church. To his church, Jesus promised his peace in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you in the world. You're going to have tribulation. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid we can have the peace of God in us, not just peace with God, but the peace of God ruling in our hearts. That way, Philippians four six through seven makes sense, where it says, "Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgivings, let your request be known to God, that the peace of God which surpasses understanding might guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord." That We get God's peace in us, it becomes that guard for us. And sadly, many people hear the call of Jesus. They refuse to rise up in faith in order that they might find peace with God, but also the peace of God. And God has called his church, his body, to know this peace corporately, but also individually. We've been called to this. We're to be thankful because of it. He says, to which you were called, one body. And so when we come together as a church, as Psalm 104 says, we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. We're to have this thanksgiving, the peace of God dwelling in our hearts, but also the word of God in our hearts as well. We're to put in the true not only God's peace, but his word. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And look at the variety of ways that Paul encourages us to put the word of God into our hearts. He first says through teaching and what we're doing now. It's Really, as I looked at this verse, it's like Paul is describing church. We're to come together. We're to hear God's word being expounded to us. Uh, We're to sing these songs of praises. Uh, You like how he worded it, that singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. How do you sing when you sing? Are you just singing? Are you singing to the Lord with grace in your hearts toward the Lord? But we're primarily focus of the church to be God's word. God's word. Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 5, he encouraged his young protege to preach the word, to be ready in season, out of season, to convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. For a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, they will have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. We've been in that time for a long time where people, have they don't want sound doctrine of God's word. Just give me the five steps of being happy or five steps of gaining wealth. And there are so many people of the nature of a prosperity gospel. How God can bless me now. But they don't want the truth of God's word in their hearts. Last week, I was talking to a pastor who'd recently become This year, the pastor of a church in the Chicagoland area, the church itself, has turned 100 years old, and he told me this as best as I can remember. I believe I'm correctly quoting him. The biggest problem that I face in this church is biblical illiteracy. They don't know the Word of God. They don't know the Word of God. I'm glad he's there to help. He's concerned about it. These people, they don't know the word. And so he's helping them to understand God's word. God's word brings conflict in so many people's lives and in their hearts, but without that conflict, we can't truly know sin, nor do we truly know the answer to that sin through faith in Jesus Christ. But also we find that God's word, we get it into our hearts by admonishing one another, encouraging one another in psalms, In hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And Paul understood that the song is a powerful memory tool. How did each of us learn our ABCs? I bet you could sing that song right now, no matter what age. And likewise, singing songs about God and his word gets the truths of God's word into our hearts. That's why Paul told us in Ephesians 5.19, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Sometimes we need to sing, sing God's word, and it will help the word of God to dwell richly in our souls. Third, we find the name of Jesus, verse 17, and whatever you do in word or deed, Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Verse 17 speaks about our conduct as believers, how we are to conduct ourselves, whether we're at home or at church, at school, at work, at recreation, wherever we are and whatever we do, whether the words we speak Or the things we do, we are to do those things in the name of Jesus and to do them with thankful hearts. And I know sometimes we don't have the thankful hearts. Sometimes we're like a young child being disciplined by a parent and we do what the parent has asked us to do, but we do it grudgingly, unwillingly. And God wants us to come willing and to walk with him with a willing heart. 1 Corinthians 10.31 tells us, therefore, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So far we have learned that we're to put on the new in verses 12 through 14. And here in verses 15 through 17, we've learned we're to put on the true Now, as we continue through the remainder of the chapter, we discover that we're to submit, love, obey, and do. Verse 18 tells us, Wives, submit to your own husband as is fitting to the Lord. This Greek word for submit, it means to be a subordinate. Reflectively, it refers to obeying, but primarily it is a military term, it means to rank under. Ultimately, we are all under the rank of God, for he is over all things. But he has also given us an order for our lives, especially in the life of a family. I can't help but think of a story that Dr. David Hawking told me about our German Baptist Dunkard's friends. By the way, they've formed their own church now. They pulled out of being German Baptist Dunkard's. And now they are part of an EV-free church there in Indiana. They once asked David if their women had to be submissive to the other men within their church. For their church had taught that every man had authority over every woman. And they've been taught that if a woman displeased one of the brethren in any way, that man could discipline her. Thankfully, David taught them that they are to be submissive to their own husbands. Peter, when he's speaking about the marital relationship, he said to the ladies in 1 Peter 3, verses 3 through 6, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. And we see after 2,000 years, nothing's really changed that much. He goes on to say, rather... Let it be the hidden person of your heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, If you do good and are not afraid with any terror. In verse 19, we read, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. This Greek word for love, it's that agapeo. It's a word that's rarely found outside of the New Testament scriptures. And it seems to describe love in its purest form. It was used to describe the love of God toward his son, and also Jesus's love toward his father. God's love toward the world and the love that we have toward God and each other. This is a love that speaks about the welfare of all and works with no ill toward anyone. In Ephesians five, twenty-five and 28, very similar passage, Paul writes, husband's Love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water of the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies, he who loves his wife, Loves himself. Not bitterness, Paul tells us, but agape love is to be the standard in each of our marriages and in our homes. Verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well pleasing to the Lord. This word for obey, properly, it refers to someone who responds to a knock at the door. Kind of the, who is it? And someone comes to answer that door. But in context, it refers to a child listening to and conforming to the authority of their parents. The qualifying phrase in this verse, it's well-pleasing to the Lord. God loves it when a home works in unity together in love toward him and love toward each other. And God has given us a proper order of things. That when followed, our society functions well. And I believe that this includes marriage between one man and one woman. Once children become part of that family, dad and mom do their best to bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord, according to Ephesians 6, 4. And then in verse 21, "...fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged." That word for provoke means to excite, to stir up, and it can have both a positive or negative meaning. In other words, don't push your children to the point of anger or wrath. And I know at times this can get very difficult, especially during the teenage years. And sometimes it drags on into the 20s, into the 30s, and, and these days even longer than that. The Bible isn't telling us not to correct our children. No, the word tells us, correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give delight to your soul. Proverbs 29, 17. It is warning us to not bring correction in such a way that it pushes our children to the point of discouragement. Verse 22, bond servants obey In all things, your master, according to the flesh, not with eye service, not as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Now, slavery was part of the culture of Paul's day. Therefore, he instructs those slaves who had come to faith in Jesus Christ to be obedient to their masters according to the flesh. The idea was that Christ was now master over their spirit, over their soul, indeed, their whole being but as a slave they were still indentured to serve their masters not with eye service not as men pleasers but in sincerity of heart fearing god thankfully slavery is no longer part of our culture today in the united states i believe that we can easily take paul's counsel to the workplace by being respectful to our bosses having sincerity and a singleness of heart. Not with eye service, not as a man pleaser. And how many times have you seen someone perk up when the boss is around? Perhaps we have all been guilty of this a time or two, but Paul is telling us that our true boss is Jesus, and he's always around. Therefore, we are to work as bond servants. The Greek word is doulos. It refers to one who is a Underrower in one of those old slave ships of the Romans. It's one who gives himself wholly over to another's will, and we are to give ourselves over to the will of Christ. First Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Peter says, Servants, be submissive to your own masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. Our service to one another is to be with sincerity of heart as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart and in fear and reverence toward God. Verses 23 and 24 and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. When each group, whether man, woman, child, employee, functions properly within God's designated roles, things tend to work out fairly well. Ephesians 5 20 and 21 says, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And the order begins with submission to God. We submit to one another because we have submitted ourselves to God. Therefore, we are to do all things heartily as to the Lord because we are servants of the Lord and we know that our ultimate reward is will not be from man, but from God. Finally, in verse 25, Paul says, But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There is no partiality. Paul closes with a reminder that judgment is coming and that God's judgment will be fair. Peter agrees in 1 Peter 1.17. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And may you bless your word to our souls, we pray this day. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ.